Good morning. It's good to see each and every one of you here. And those of you that are visiting with us, we are delighted that you're here and hope that you will return. It's wonderful to see the children here. We really appreciate kids. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I want you to see that these people are religious people. These people are people that believe that they're going to heaven. These people are going to stand before the judgment seat and they're going to find out that they're lost. And that's a sad, sad, sad thing. Have you ever noticed that most religious people, and I'm talking those in Christendom, most religious people believe that when they die, that they're going to go to heaven. If you will notice, if you go to a funeral, you hear about all the wonderful works somebody has done. And when they get through telling you about the wonderful works that they've done, they say, we know where he's at. We know where she's at. They're going to heaven because of two reasons. In their mind, they have seen all of the good works that that person has done. And they put it all together that all those good works equal, they should go to heaven. And the other reason is because I like them so much and they were so good to me and they were so kind, I'm determined that they're going to get to heaven. Have you ever heard somebody say at a funeral, you know that person's not going to heaven? No, everybody's just as happy they're going to heaven and everybody's on their, they got in their little red wagon and they're going to heaven because they went to church and they gave so much and they did all these things. And they're very religious people, and they're going to heaven. They read their Bible every day. And so they really believe that they're getting there. And they believe that all non-obedient people that believe in Jesus will go to heaven. All I have to do to get to heaven is just believe in Jesus. And Jesus said, whoa, wait just a minute. There's something else required. They believe, they do good works, and therefore they expect to go to heaven. God, did you notice what we did? We did these wonderful works. We prophesied. We cast out demons. And the Bible doesn't say they didn't do that. They may have done all of those things. They may have worked just as hard as can be. They may have been the most faithful church member that you have ever found. And they worked, 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 worked. And just at the outset of the lesson, I want to say this. 
that all the works in the world without relationship doesn't mean one thing as far as going to heaven. You can be the very best person in the world and not make it. So this is a serious thing. And when they say, Lord, Lord, it means they're putting emphasis on this. That we are claiming you as the Lord, and Jesus said, but I'm not claiming you as mine. We were never in relationship. And if you're not in relationship, you know what? You fall in love with a woman, and you say, I really love that woman. I really love that woman. And somebody says, who's your favorite person? You say, well, that woman right there. Well, if we don't have a relationship, I don't care how much I love her. If, even if we're married, if we don't have a relationship, we don't have a real marriage. We went before somebody and they said, you're married? And we said, okay, we're great. And we don't like each other. We stay in the same house, but we can't stand each other. We just don't have a relationship. And they say, is that your wife? Yeah. Well, she doesn't feel like a wife. I want you to think about that, that man is wanting to go to heaven. He's wanting to go into the kingdom of heaven, that place where Christ rules and rules so well, and it's the place that we are looking for every one of us. What is the kingdom of heaven? Well, I just want to simply say this. It's not just simply the church. The church is a manifestation of what the kingdom is about. But it's God where he rules. And when he rules, wherever he rules, whether there's anybody there or not, he is the king. And his rulership is over heaven and earth. And do you remember that's exactly what Jesus said that he was going to rule? That he said, the Father said to him that he had put all authority under him and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now I want to say at the outset here as we go, that everybody that is in the church, that is, that are members of this congregation, are you in relationship with Christ? And if you're not, you're doing a lot of work and we appreciate the work that you're doing, but if you're not in relationship with Christ, we've got a problem. And that's a real problem. The very thing that we want to look at is that the kingdom of God is focused upon the person of Jesus Christ. That everything that is done is going to be done through Jesus Christ. I want you to just take all the religions in the world and put them, one of the things, outside of Christendom, they don't believe in Christ. You say, well, can you condemn those people? Well, I don't condemn them. I just simply say that the Lord said that you must come through him to get to the Father. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you cannot get there. But more than that, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can't get there. So this is a serious, serious thing. 
It's manifested as Jesus rules in the hearts of men. In Luke 17, 20 and 21, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus is either ruling your life or you're ruling your own. The world is either telling you what to do or Christ is directing you in what to do. You have to decide whether or not you are really in the relationship with Christ to where he really is your master and you have decided that you're going to obey him. I understand that my father, who died when I was two years old, I understand that he read his Bible every day. Will he be in heaven? I don't know. I hope so. But it all depends upon how I am with the Lord. Number one, people go to church, and there's several reasons they go to church. They go to church to feel holy sometimes. They go to church to show off their new suit. They go to show, especially they go on Easter because that's the day that everybody sees them. And that's the day that they feel very holy. The kingdom of God is spiritual in nature. Now when we say spiritual in nature, it means it grabs you down deep inside of you and it explodes outwardly. If we are going outwardly and nothing is happening inwardly, we've got a mess. So something is boiling inside of me and it's spiritual in nature and that is that Christ is ruling. In our class this morning, did you notice what we talked about? Boy, I tell you, we, we talked about humbleness and all of these things and those are great if the Lord is directing you, if I'm using him as my pattern, if I am doing what he told me to do in as far as I possibly can. And so he says, I want you to recognize that it's spiritual in nature. In John 18, 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Now everybody's saying, you know, the church is here in the world. But it's not of the world. You can be in the world, but not of the world. So here we are in the world, but we're not of the world. In other words, our world is somewhere else. We were, I was talking with somebody the other day and pointed out that one of the things that you have to do if you're going to go to heaven is you have to have an imagination. I have been to China. I have been to Australia. I have been to Hawaii, I have been all everywhere that you can think of. And I've never been anywhere except in my mind. I've traveled all over because I have the imagination. When I was a boy, I was Roy Rogers. Oh, I could ride on the horse and all it was was a stick between my legs and I was pulling it, and you know. I had an imagination. Kids are losing that today. 
Whenever you pray, does your mind really go before the throne of God? Does your mind really reach out there and say, God, here I'm coming and I, I'm wanting something. And we know that Jesus is there going in between for us and arguing our case for us. And so he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not die, not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. It's not from hence. It's from thence. My kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And it changes people inside out. You remember in the, on the Old Testament, one of the things people made a mistake of is they thought it was all about the physical. If I do this, 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 don't do that, 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 I'll go to heaven. Jesus said, you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. He says, let it come from in here. Let me transform you inside out. Many people have to work hard. They're, they're called the, the bicycle Christians. I mean, they're pedaling just as hard as they can. And, <laughs> Lord, here I You know what? Be a Cadillac Christian. You just turn on the key and you have resident power. And off you go. Off you go. You're... You, you're thrilled because something inside of you is working. How many of you go to your job every day and say, oh, I got to go to work today. I got to go to work today. I got to go to work today. You know what? I love the work that I do. You say, well, you don't do anything but preach. Well, that's really what I do. Sit in that office. Yeah. Talk to people, yeah. Is it fun? Absolutely. I have a fun job. It's the funnest job in the world. And I like it. Don't have to do much. Just care about people. Study and try to bring people to Christ. Do I work? Yes. So it's spiritual nature. And in Romans 14, 17, and I want you to notice this passage. He says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I remember a few years ago, there was a church in Ventura, that had a hundred foot long ice cream sundae, banana split, is what it was. That's great. You know what? I think if we had a hundred foot banana split, we would have a lot of people here, don't you? Everybody loves banana splits. Hamburgers, hot dogs. I like to go to Jeff's house because he has a hot dog machine. I can't eat it anymore, but I, I like to go there and watch everybody else eat it. <laughs> you know what? This is a spiritual group of people. That's what we're supposed to be. Spiritual in nature. Our food is spiritual. Our drink is spiritual. The things that we do are spiritual. 
There's a spiritual end to this. It's not just a physical thing that we get a gratification because we do it. I'm going to tell you what. Sitting there on those hard seats is hard work. And I know that. That's why I don't preach too long because my preaching power is greater than your setting power. And I know that. But this includes the church on earth. Think about that. Here we are on this earth and God says, you're a part of me. And I'm a part of you. That's relationship. That's the joy of being a Christian. People say, is this a certain feeling that you get? No, it's not. It's a certain knowing. The Bible says that there's one faith. Remember we said that this morning? There's one faith, one faith. And that one faith in Jude, he says that we earnestly contend for the faith. That is the word of God, the New Testament. We are to earnestly contend for that because that is where we get our faith. We look at the word of God, that comes into us, and we say, I know that I'm saved because I have given my life to Christ. Now, many people haven't given their life to Christ, and yet they are Christians. Wow. In Colossians, the first chapter, and verse 13, and by the way, this goes contrary to what the Jehovah Witnesses say. They say that the kingdom of God came in 1914 with World War I. I want you to notice what this passage says. In Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us, those people then, from the power of darkness and conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of his son of his love. You can't be translated or conveyed, conveyed into something that does not exist. His kingdom existed then. It didn't start in 1914. People were put into the kingdom then. And you have to be put into the kingdom. As John is teaching in his class, one of the things that you notice about the church is, and we're not talking about the local church, we're talking about the real church, the spiritual church. You can't join it. The Lord puts you into it. It says the Lord added them daily to those that were being saved. He knows who's in and he knows who's out. I don't care what you think. It may not be true. In Revelation 1 and verse 9, I, uh, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm in the same kingdom. I'm over here on an island. And I'm living here to preach the gospel, to receive something that from God. But I'm with you in spirit. Now, there's your imagination. I'm here, but I'm there also. I'm with you, brethren, and I think about you, brethren, and I move myself in the, because I'm in the kingdom with you. 
Isn't that wonderful? It's a wonderful thing to think about being in there. In the future, it talks about entering into that kingdom in the spiritual sense that we're out of this body now. We've got a new body, and we enter into it. In Matthew, the 13th chapter, verse 40 through 43, Therefore, as the terrors are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out His angels. They will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness. Have you noticed something increasing lately? It's called lawlessness. No law. Imagine that. That stop sign means nothing. The speed limit means nothing. All of these things. Law, law, law. God says I have laws. Those laws are to protect you and give you the most freedom that you can possibly have. That's what laws are for. I do not have the right to just come up and slap you. I don't have the right to do any of those things. Law stops me. And will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, he says, if you are not righteous and righteous, what is our righteousness? Our righteousness is Jesus Christ. If I'm not in Christ, I'm not considered righteous. I'm in him not because I'm such a good fellow. I'm in him because he is righteous. And he makes me righteous because he forgives me of my sins by the blood that was shed upon the cross. And I entered that and shared in the death burial and resurrection of Christ whenever I obeyed the gospel and was baptized. In 2 Peter, he says in 3, 10 through 13, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. He's going to destroy this. What's going to happen? Have you ever really thought about hell? You know, when I first started out, they, I was known as a hell and fire brimstone preacher. I've kind of changed from that. but We've got an eternity to look at. It's the judgment day. Have you seen the exercise clubs? I'm, I'm getting ready to join one. But have you seen the exercise clubs? Everybody, 
Everybody, I mean, they're exercising, exercising, exercising. I can't hardly walk, so I'm going to try to get some exercise. But he said, for bodily exercise profits a little. I don't like that word little, do you? It profits a little, but he says, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. I want to go to heaven more than anything in this world. And I want eternal life, and I want it for you. I want you to go to heaven. But it's not because you're going to do all these good works. It's because you come into that relationship with Christ and you're obedient to him. So who will, he says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. What things? Well, those things that he had said. Add to your faith uh, love. Add to your faith purity and all of these things. Add these things to your faith. And he said, if you do those things, First of all, you have to be in the faith to add anything to it. So now we add that, and we're on our way. It is, you're going to, for an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that day? Can you really imagine that day where the Lord says, Ron, come on in, thou good and faithful servant. Well, I haven't been too good, Lord. I haven't done too well. You're in relationship with Christ and you have been forgiven. Nothing against you. Boy, I love that. I look at my life and think about all the things that I've done and one of the problems we have is we look at our life through our eyes instead of through the God's. God says, I know you. I know how many hairs you have on your head. If he knows all that, then he knows my heart. He knows my heart. He knows what I'm trying to do. And it's not... When we ask who will enter the kingdom of heaven, it is not those that just profess Jesus. It's so easy to say Jesus and praise the Lord and all of these things. That's, that's so easy. Why do you do what you do? Because I'm copying my master. That's why I'm copying my master. Ah. Uh, Look at that little girl. She's got all of us folks, she's got her grandparents to copy. And Jesus said, I've put a face upon God um, when he's a human being. Copy him. Follow him. Let him direct you. And just because somebody believes that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not mean that they're saved. When he talks about the believer, he's talking about the believer that is obedient to him with all of their heart. They did wonderful works. Have you met people that did wonderful works and think that they're probably going to heaven because they deserve it? 
I have. A lot of my brethren think that. You're not going to get there because of that. They prophesied in his name. There are many preachers preaching today. Ah. Cast out demons. Boy, what a power that is. Doesn't say they didn't do that. They may have done that. And they did great works in the name. And because God gives you a talent and any talent you have, God gave it to you. Any talent you have, God gave it to you. But that doesn't save you. Good works does not get you into the kingdom of God. In Titus, the third chapter, verse 3 through 7, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Oh, does that sound like today? Hating one another? Oh, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration, by the way, that's baptism, and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now when you look at that, I want you to take for just a minute and I want you to see a man that actually is walking just as right as he knows how to walk. I want you to see a man that is there and he's trying to serve God. I want you to see a man that is religious in every way. And I want you to see a man that prays to God every day. And that man is just as lost as lost can be. In Acts the 10th chapter verses 1 through 5, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion who was called the, called the Italian regiment a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying unto him, Cornelius, when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Why send for Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved? I've got all these things. I'm proper. I've got these things, and I'd really appreciate God. But I need to be saved. The man's going to come and tell you what to do. And do you know what he told them? He told them, you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe that he was raised from the dead. You believe that you're going to enter into a relationship with him and you need to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Verse 
And his whole household heard the word, believed those words, obeyed those words, and they became Christians. They were lost even though they were very, very religious. These people were practicing lawlessness and Cornelius probably recognized, I'm not what I should be. God make me what I should be. And were made new in Christ Jesus. They were acting without the authority of the king, Jesus Christ. Only those who do the Father's will are going to go to heaven. And this is the dividing line all the way through the Bible. Those saved and those lost. In James, the first chapter, verse 22 through 25, but be doers of the word. Why? Because of a relationship. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. He looks into the mirror. The mirror is the word of God. He looks in there, and you know what? He thinks the mirror cleansed his face. It didn't. It told him what he really looked like. Unless I see what I really look like in the eyes of God, I can't be saved. I need to recognize that I'm lost. I need to recognize that I am so imperfect. And it's going to take a loving God to save me. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. You see, he's getting filling in the blanks. Is this legalism? No. Legalism, let me tell you what legalism is in a very brief thing. Legalism is believing that I'm going to heaven because of the good works that I have done. That's legalism. And when you've done everything you could, the merits of what you've done. When we do everything that we can, we're still unworthy. In Luke 17, 10, so likewise, when you've done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. How many parents say, my children will not become Christians because they have to give up fornication, they have to give up drinking, they have to give up partying, they have to give up... Why would you do that anyway? Why would you do that anyway? Now look at this passage real quick. In Romans 6, 17 and 18, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. What was that doctrine? That doctrine was preached on the day of Pentecost when he said, 
when they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And they gladly, they gladly received the word. And they were baptized, both men and women. And the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. And then, I want you to notice those that God says his son is ruling. In Hebrews 5, 8, and 9, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. He is my Lord. He is my master. He is my breath. He is my food. He is my everything. And God says, now you're getting ready to go to heaven. I want you to realize, and I'm going to leave you with this. The judgment day is coming. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, personal relationship, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you right here, have you really given your life to the Lord? Have you really repented and said, you know what, I'm not directing my life anymore. The Lord is going to direct my life. And have you confessed before men that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And are you willing to really live that, really live the confession that you make that he is my Lord, he is going to guide me? He said, if you don't, oh, do that. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Ah, not to see a sunset anymore. Not to see the one that made the sunset. What a terrible, terrible thought. It's up to you. Are you living in relationship with Christ? If not, the baptistry is ready. And all you have to do is walk down the aisle and obey the gospel. While together we stand and sing. So